0: More moments if you can you can open it up open it up to Ephesians chapter six and as you're turning there just want to remind the the congregation and also the women that the discipleships the discipleship that we have in the morning with Pastor Al will be here and it's free okay it's free and then also the one and uh, Victory Outreach Spanish Alcanza Victoria there with Pastor Richard Uh, At his church, which is at the Vets Memorial, that's where it's at, right there off of, uh, I want to say D and C Street, right in between there. Um, That's also free for the women. So I just wanted to uh, make mention of that for the women, and then also for uh, the church as well. It will be here, it will be free, both here and over there as well. Amen. Also, uh, if you could just keep myself in prayer. I'm going to be leaving on Tuesday, this Tuesday, I'm going to be going for just a couple of days but I'm actually going to be meeting with uh, uh, the actor Noel G. And then also uh, uh, some producers as well. Uh, just keep it in prayer for those of us that have been here. We've been talking about doing the, the movie Shotgun. And if you're not familiar with it, uh, you can see any of our leaders. They'll fi- fill you in on it. But uh, we're going to be producing a movie. Amen. Yeah. This is a church that's going to produce a movie. And not just a you know little rinky-dink. You know, just here's an iPhone 5. Let's film it. No, 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 no. We're talking about getting uh, Hollywood producers and Hollywood actors, but actually, first, Victory Outreach actors. That's what we're going to be doing first. So uh, we're going to be—I'm going to be meeting with him as well as some other people and Pastor Sunday this week. So keep that in prayer. So if you don't see me here on Wednesday, you know where I will be. Amen. So keep that in your prayer. Ephesians chapter six, verse ten. You already know where we're going with this one. This is the last of the messages of the series of spiritual warfare. Verse 10. Let's read it here. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What is the first two words of verse 11? What does it say? Put it on. Put it on. Be strong, some of your translations say. Stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, and this is what we're going to focus on here today, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, put it on. Then you may be seated. Now today we're going to be in the phase of talking about taking it up. So tell your neighbor, take it up. See, we've been able to go over piece by piece what we've been able to put on. And we talked about the different pieces of the armor that we've been putting on. That it's not an armor that you put it on and you take it off. In other words, the spiritual warfare that you and I fight is not a football game. When the game is over, you take off the pads and you're done. No. You put it on and you keep it on. Tell your neighbor, keep it on. See, this is not the kind of battle that you and I are accustomed to when we think of a fight and when you think of a battle. Because us, when we think of a fight as humans, we want to either handle it with our fists. All right, I'm going to fight them. Or we even want to handle it with a verbal battle. I want to beat them down with my words. But see, we, we've, what we have found in this kind of battle is only to fight with the pieces of armor that we put on and we keep it on we learned about how the belt is needed to discern the lies of the enemy this is called the truth then also we talked about the breastplate and how it protects the vital parts of our body and how it's needed to not be forsaken this is what we call righteousness also we learned how our feet are fitted so that we are ready for whatever comes our way no confusion No entrapment, no despair. Why? Because we have the gospel of peace. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And then also we learned just a couple of weeks ago about how the shield, how it protects us. And it not just protects us, but it protects those even behind the shield. And it protects us from the fiery arrows that are shot at us. This is what we call our shield of faith. And then last week we talked about the helmet, which protects our minds and keeps us from death, hell, and the grave. This is called salvation. Now as we talked about these pieces, there's one last piece that we need to have to go before we go into this battle. This is needed for you and also for me. Now some time ago there was a movie that came out and if you were with us even a couple weeks ago I talked about it there was this movie called 300. How many have seen this movie before? It's a very famous movie. A lot of people like it. They make T-shirts about it. Uh, they, they go to comic conventions dressed up like it. Uh, some of you have the DVD, the deluxe DVD, the deluxe, deluxe, deluxe DVD. You know, you watch it. Oh, man, because it's a very good movie. It's very inspiring, very encouraging. And this movie was kind of taken from a historical perspective. You know, legend has it that these men stood 300 men, stood against a very large army. But I want you to know something. In in all reality, for those of us that are faith-based, that we understand through faith and through the Word of God, that there was actually a story in the Bible that was actually called 300 before that movie ever came out. There's a story in the Bible, and you can look it up on your own time, in the book of Judges, chapter 7. And it records the story of Gideon and how his 300 men defeated a vast army. Now, Gideon had... At first, let me just kind of break down the story just really quickly. At first he had 32,000 men, 32,000 troops. And he, they gathered together near the Midianite camp. But they were outnumbered by, from, from 32,000 by 135,000. So the, here's 32,000 men going up against 135,000. Right off the bat, you could tell that Gideon in this battle, he was automatically going to lose. But see, the great thing about it is that God's ways are not our ways. See, the plans that God has was a little bit different for Gideon. So God told Gideon, let everyone who is afraid of the upcoming battle, let them go home. Just let them go home. Whoever is scared, let them go home. So out of that 32,000, 22,000 men took the opportunity to leave the battle. So only that was left was 10,000 men. But, this is still too many. Now, if you were here last week, I told you the best part is always the but. Right? I like buts. I cannot lie. Now, for those of you who think, oh, Pastor Stavon, he's messing around. Look it up on your own, Judges chapter 7, verse 4. That's actually the first word that's there. It says, but, God told Gideon, that's still too many. That's what he tells him. Because even though, oh, I'm going to do it my way, but God has other plans. I'm going to go out of my th- but God has other plans. See, God told Gideon, this is what he told him. He said, look, this is still too many. What I want you to do is go to the drink, go to the spring, and I want those to drink. And whoever lapped the water like a dog, sent him home. So out of these 10,000, only 300 men remained. So what happened was Gideon took his Army and he surrounded the Midianites. And on the signal, they blew the trumpets, and they broke the pitchers, covering their torches. And then they shouted, and you could read it there in Judges chapter seven. Says the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. See, this, my friend, is what we call the very first mission impossible. This was the first one: three hundred men versus a hundred and thirty-five. 1000. I don't know about you but that's some horrible odds right there. That's some horrible horrible odds. In football, they get mad if one player is not in his position. They time out time out time, it's 10 versus 11. There should be 11 guys. They get mad over one. Can you imagine 300 versus 135,000? So the Bible records this as these 300 men they didn't hold swords, but actually torches and trumpets. And they were able to take on an entire Midianite army. And the scripture says that God set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. So before the Israelites even had a chance to reach for their very own swords, God plunged the enemy's camp into chaos and it's a wild defeat. The Israelites were delivered from their enemies by a miracle. See this very famous story it illustrates one priceless lesson is that God who gives the victory his sword will deliver you and I That's what it's all about. In this story that we read about, it's not about what you and I can do, but it's about what God already did. See, some of you here this morning, you walked into this church already in a battle, and you're thinking, man, I'm never going to win this thing. Listen, my friend, there's a lot of stories in the Bible, just like this one, where the odds were stacked against them. But then all of a sudden, these men begin to realize, it's not about me, but for the Lord. They raised their sword, and they said, this is the Lord's sword, and we will fight this battle. Some of you here this morning, you got to pick up the Lord's sword, not yours, not of flesh, not of blood, but of God's, of the spirit. Can I hear an amen? So even though you may be going through a battle, I want you to know something. The victory, it's already yours. You're not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory. I don't know about you, but I would love it if I went into every game already knowing that I won. That Wouldn't that be Awesome. I just turned on the TV today and automatically, uh, before the game gets started, we just want you to know that the Giants will already win this game. <laughs> wouldn't that be awesome? I would love that. But see, the thing, and we're going to learn about it, the thing about it is that if I saw that, I would just turn the thing off. I'd go, I'd go do something else. I wouldn't actually get in the battle. See, that's why you and I, we have to learn to fight the battle. Can I hear an amen? Amen. See, now what purpose did this sword serve within the Roman army? Let's talk about this real quick. This sword that we looked at, it's actually called the gladius. And that's where we get the term gladiator. Now this sword, and I brought this out even a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to bring it out again for those of you who are not here. Just want you to know this is actually a real sword. This is my sword that was given to me by a pastor who collected swords. These are authentic, these are real. This is not fake, so please don't, don't after service come and touch it and go, ooh, look it. And then all of a sudden you got to go to the hospital. All right. This is real. And this sword was, this actually became known as the sword that conquered the world. Adapted from a Spanish design, the prowess of the gladius was in close range combat, made it a fearsome tool in the hand of a skilled Roman warrior. Now when sharpened, its dual edges were able to wreak havoc on the enemy. While its tapered point at the very end could pierce through even the heaviest of metal armor. A Roman infantryman would go into battle armed with more than also the gladius. He actually had more than this when he would go into battle. He would also have a dagger, what was called a pugio. Several one-time used spears called a pilla. And lead-witted darts, called a plumate. But the sword was his main means of attack. Yet, when we read the scripture, the sword is the only weapon that Paul lists as a part of the Christian arsenal. And he says that this sword is the word of God. Tell your neighbor the word of God. Now, I've got my sword right here, but you've also got your sword probably sitting right there in your lap. Tell your neighbor, get your Bible. Tell your neighbor. Get your sword, and I want you to put it up to him, say, This is my sword. Now, this sword, we'll leave it right here. Save it for later. The Bible says it is a word, it is the word of God. The sword is the word of God. Now, what is the Word of God? Psalms chapter 119, verse 105. I'm going to give you guys a lot of scriptures here. So if you get the opportunity, you can write them down on your own. Or you can get the CD or listen to it there on our website. Psalms 119, verse 105 says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So right away, what is the Word of God? It's a light and a lamp. It illuminates what is needed in the midst of the dark world. If you were here, this is actually one of my favorite portions of scriptures As I studied the scripture, I said, why the, the light into my path? Why this lamp? And as you study uh, uh, the, the cultures, uh, back then in the Hebrew culture, they didn't have, you know, uh, light posts all over the place like we have now. You go on the sidewalk and you can walk miles because there's light. But you have to remember, they still needed to get to their destination. So when priests or travelers, midnight travelers, when they would want to get from one city to another, what they would do is they would tie a, a box around their ankles. And as they would tie the box around their ankles, inside the box, they would put the wax. And on the wax, they would have the wick, and it would be a candle. And they would light it. So if they wanted to get from one city to the next, one place to the next, they would have to put that light right there. And it would only shine so far. That's why the Bible says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now the thing about it is that as they would travel with this light, they could only go so far. It wasn't a whole lot. It was just enough in front of them. Because all they needed to see was just enough, because if they went just a little bit too far, and you have to remember, traveling at night, especially if it's cloudy, there's no moon, they might just go over a cliff. So that's why it was very important to have the light. See, that's why it's very important that you and I, we have this this word. See, some of you may think, well, it's just a Bible, it's just a book with leather and pieces of paper in it. No, my friend, this is light, This is illumination. For those of you that are saying, man, I'm in a dark time right now. Guess what you need? You need the light. Some of you right now, you're feeling a little oppressed. And you're feeling like, man, things are just coming upon me. You know what you need? You need the lights. Some of you say, man, I I can't see what's in front of me. I don't know what God has for me. I don't know what the future holds. You know what you need? You need the lights. That's what the word of God is. It illuminates. It will show you. Tell your neighbor, it's going to show you. See, it reveals the good and also the bad. It allows you to make the wise decisions that are needed. It is the ultimate tool in learning how to live the best possible life, free from restraints and also of stumbling and the darkness. John 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So we know it's the light. We know it's the lamp. Also, we know that it's the truth. But I like what the scripture says here. It says, sanctify them by your truth. The word sanctify in the Greek means hagazo, hagazo, which means to make holy, purify, or consecrate mentally. To consecrate mentally. Purify. Cut it off. Get away from the lies. Sanctify them by your truth. I don't know if you've ever seen... Uh, the TV show before called uh, Mori Povich. You ever seen that TV show before? It's kind of an awkward analogy, but this is something that as I was studying, I kind of came up with here. But Mori Povich, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy TV show. And one of the things is as, as he's there, he asks always these different men to take a lie detector test, right? That's what he's famous for. The lie detector test, the, 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 the detector test, and he always says the same thing. He always says, the test results are end. And it was determined that what you said was a lie, right? Right away, that's a lie. And then all of a sudden, the guy starts jumping around. Oh, oh, I told you, I told you. Which is actually kind of a sad commentary on our generation. I told you I wasn't the baby daddy. You slept with someone else. It's kind of a sad commentary, right? But that's what it is. It's, it's exposing the truth or a lie. And then as soon as the truth comes out, Here's this one guy, oh, oh, and he's jumping up and down. Have you ever seen the TV show before? And all of a sudden, the guy, he like, he's for like a half hour, the guy's sitting there like, I don't know, that ain't my baby. I don't know, that ain't my baby. I don't don't know. And there's the, the, and the woman's right there like, you, you the baby daddy. Look, you look like him. You look like him. That's exactly, that's you. Look at that. That's you right there. That's you right there. Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh, that's you right there. And the guy's just sitting there like, I my baby, I don't know, it's whatever. Maury, if, if I'm the father, I'll be the father, but I ain't the father, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> right, you see the show? That's what they do, it's like the same thing over and over. And then out comes Maury Povich. The lie detector tests, the results are in, that you are not the father, Oh, see, I told you. And he's running all around. See, that's truth right there. That's truth right there. What? Say it again, Maury. Say it again, Maury. That's truth right there. That's truth right there. That's actually, I I, I was flipping through the channels. That's actually what he said. He goes, that's truth right there. Because when the truth is up, you're just like, yeah, that's right. I told you. kind of an awkward analogy, but what happens is, is that when you actually, when the truth comes out, you feel free. You're free. Like, oh, no, 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 that's the truth right there. No, 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 that's what the Bible says. The Bible says he will supply all my needs. What? What? That's what the Bible said. That's truth right there. The Bible says, as for me and my house, we do going to serve the Lord. That's what the Bible said. That's the truth right there. I have never seen the rights of forsaken, nor oil seed seen maggot for bread. That's what the Bible said, right? That's the truth. And the truth will set you free. That's truth right there. That's the truth. And the Bible says, sanctify them by the truth. In other words, separate the lies from the truth. Now, when you come into truth and lies, when they meet, you know what that's called? It's called a battle. When truth Meets the lie, there's a battle. Because one has to win. The other can't, both cannot win. They can't win. A truth and a lie cannot win. They're going to battle it out. So here this morning, when it comes to truth, we're going to battle it out. Tell your neighbor, battle it out. See, God's word is truth. Can I hear an amen? Plain and simple. See, we can have perfect confidence in the fact that his words are accurate, true, and absolutes. Now as I was reading the scripture, I asked myself, why a sword? Why a sword? There's so many different uh, you know, facets of the armor that we even talked about, darts, a spear. Even uh, uh, young David, before he was king, when he killed a Goliath, he actually had a sling. Why not the sling of truth? Why, you know, you use that. That sounds like a, a, a good one. But why a sword? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, this is truth, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful, some of your translations say active, right, active. It says, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Wow, it's even sharper than that? Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It's pretty heavy right there. Now look at this. And is a discerner, some of your translations say, and judges of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Stop right there. Okay, wait a second. So you mean to tell me that the word here is living, active, and powerful, right? And it pierces us to the marrow. And not only pierces us, it judges the thoughts and attitudes. Wait a second. I thought only God can judge me. That's what I thought. I thought only, I mean, I have a tattooed right here. Only God can judge me. My arm can't tell a lie. Only God can judge me. Well, I'm sorry to say, you Machiavellians or Tupac followers. That's what Tupac said. But that's not what Jesus said. That's not what the Bible says. See, actually, when you study that scripture, that's what a lot of people use. You know, only God can judge me. Actually, Christ, when you study that scripture of the book of Matthew and also in the book of Luke, that's actually, he says the exact opposite. If you study the scriptures, he says the exact opposite. See, Jesus is not saying don't judge ever, he's actually commanding us not to judge self righteously. That's what he says don't judge self righteously, don't judge like the hypocrites judge. Don't look like the hypocrites do. Don't go telling somebody, hey, uh, uh, you got to take that little uh, piece of dirt out of your own eye, when actually you got a big old two-by-four on your very own. That's what he's saying. Don't go telling them, oh, look at that little thing, and you got a big old huge piece of lumber coming out of your very own eye. See, because right after that, as, as you study those scriptures, right after he tells them about judging. He actually commands the judgment of do not cast your pearls before swine or don't give dogs what is sacred. That's what he says. He says don't cast your pearls to swine, which is a command to actually judge between those who will receive the message of hope with joy and those who will reject the message with hatred. Be careful. Don't cast it to swine. Make good Judgment, be a discerner. See, right after that, he even tells them to judge between false prophets and true prophets. What's the difference? That's how you, gotta be, you have to be able to judge. What is a false prophet? What is a true prophet? Now, how are we going to be able to do this? According to scripture, it says, you will know them by their Some of your translations even say recognize. You will recognize them. Some of you here this morning, you got to be able to recognize. There was a song a while ago that says, "Game, recognize game." I can, rec- I can recognize. I could see. I could tell. Well, how can you tell? According to the scripture, you're going to be able to judge the attitudes, their behavior, whether they're true or false. You can tell. See, now when it comes to judging. Others. Now, I want you to get this very, I want to be very clear with this. Christ is not saying, I want you to ju- judge others so that you yourself can feel better than someone else. That's not why he said to judge or how to judge. That's not why he said that. Nor does he say to judge so that you can condemn others and make yourself feel better than someone else. That's, you know, that's pride. That's what that is. Well, I, I'm just going to judge him so I can feel better. No, that's not judgment. See, judgment if I allow your judgment upon me, let's just put it this way. I allow you to judge me. What I can do is take that judgment and then ask for forgiveness. That's what it is. So, oh, Matt, I'm wrong. Oh, my gosh. Now, I don't come to you because you're not the judge. But what I will do is say, man, according to the scriptures, you're right. What I need to do is I need to come to him. And ask for forgiveness. So because of that judgment, because this discerns what the heart and the intentions of the heart, that's what the word does. Because remember, it cuts deep. It even cuts beyond the bone and the marrow. See, that's what this judgment, what the scripture is saying in Hebrews chapter 4. Now, if it were true that only God can judge me, just, just look at that phrase, in it by itself. Only God can judge me. Do you really want God to judge you? I mean, think about that. Do you really want him to judge you, the one who sends fire from heaven? The one who can wipe out a whole planet with just a few raindrops? Do you really want him to judge you? The one who is able to say, depart from me, you wicked and lazy servants. Go to where there's weeping and gnashing. Do you really want him to judge you? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, think about, do you want only, okay, that's fine. If you only want God to judge you, that's cool. Hey, live your life according to only God's judgment. That's fine. But if you really read the scriptures, the scripture is the judgment. That's the judgment. And you can tell because it pierces down through the bone and through the marrow. That's what the word does. That's why it's called the, sword. It's piercing. See, that's why sometimes the the Bible says, use this word to go ahead and correct and rebuke. Don't use your philosophy. Don't use your thinking, oh, I don't like the way she does. She shouldn't do it like that. Don't use your perspective. Who does he think he is? Look, he thinks he's all that. He ain't better. I've been here longer than him. Man, I've been here six months in the home. He's been here five months. I'm one month longer. Pshh. Don't use your judgment, use the word of God. See, that's what it is. See, that's why this thing is so powerful. Tell your neighbor, this is my sword. See, if only God can judge me, was. The good news, and I don't know about you, but that's not actually good news. The good news is actually not just the judgment from that, but that only God provides an escape from his judgment. That's the good news. See, that's what the good news is all about. The good news is sharing, look, you and I, we are dead in our sins, but Christ came and he made a way of escape. That's the good news. That, my friend, is where the good news comes from, where it penetrates philosophies, where it penetrates religion, where it penetrates even the darkness of places. That, my friend, is the good news. Tell your neighbor, I need some good news right now. See, the all-powerful sword of the living God is able to cut through every defense of our enemy, of what he can raise, down to the very division of the bone. And of the marrow. See, when handled by a servant of God, nothing can withstand its ability to cut straight to the core of every matter. When you put this in the hand of a servant, this thing is deadly. When you put this in the hand of the righteous that are in authority, this thing is deadly. When you put it in the hand of a man or woman that knows what they're doing in God's army, then my friend, you're able to discern the truth. And then not only discern it, you're able to follow it. See, when God's word shows us something wrong within ourselves, we can use the spiritual weapon to surgically remove the offending thoughts and the offending actions. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 talks about that. How you're able to discern and how you're able to see and use and rightfully use the word of God. See, unlike all the other pieces of the armor, which are solely defensive, the sword is uniquely suited for both defensive and offensive roles. A a solid defense is invaluable, but the sword is the only way that you and I can complete the work we have been given to do. Now, the thing about the sword also is that the sword was used for close combat and not long-range warfare. It doesn't say The arrows of truth, it says the sword is the truth. Why? Because it's close combat. It's close combat. You're in battle, you're not fighting it from afar. Listen, you need to know something. Us as Christians, we're not monks. We're not monks. We actually are in the battle, we're in this thing. God has called you and I to be in the battle, victorious in the battle, but we're in the battle. Look at Acts chapter 14, verse 22. It says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must go through many tribulations, enter, excuse me, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Then one of the most famous portions of scripture in James chapter 1 says, my brothers, count it all joy. I don't know about, can, can I be honest for a second? Sometimes... Man, that scripture gets on my nerves. Maybe it's not you, but it does to me. So I'm like, man, I'm going through it, and I got to count joy? Like, don't you get it? I can't even count up to $2 right now, and you want me to count joy? I have no money. But that's what it says. Count it all joy. And it says, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. See, if we were able to fight our battles from a distance, we would never experience an actual trial. If we were to fight our battles from afar, you would never know what it's like to really go through a battle. See, Paul only lists one weapon. Because we only need one weapon. There is no enemy that the word of God coupled with the spirit cannot defeat. The word of God can defeat any enemy that comes your way. Now, what do I do with this sword? Really quickly, I just want to give you a few key points to do with this sword and then we're done. What do I do with this sword? Number one, you got to know God's word. Know his word. Don't be ignorant to his word. Listen to me, Christians, please. Don't be ignorant to the word of God. Listen, this is very important. Listen to me here. Bible study is not a luxury. It's a necessity. See, a lot of people think that Bible studies and journey groups, I'll try it. But if I don't like it, I'm not going to do it. No, my friend, to being a Christian, you need to know how to use this thing. Because you're going to come face to face with the enemy. And if you go to the side and you grab your sword and you're like, oh my gosh, how do I use, what do I do? What's going to happen is you're just going to start swinging and just doing whatever because you're just trying to get the enemy off you. Like, man, how? Do, just get away from me. And that's the kind of attitude that you'll have in the battle because you don't know your word. You'll just start swinging. And what might happen, and this happens a lot, especially in battle, if you don't know your word, what happens is you start swinging, and when you start swinging, you hit your very own fellow soldier. So for those of you that, I don't need to know my word. Yes, you do. You need to know your word. Know this thing. Don't be ignorant to the word of God. Another thing that you have to do with your sword is that you have to memorize God's Word. Listen, uh, you, I need to make this very clear. Memorization is not just for children's church. A lot of people think, oh, son, daughter, what did you learn today? Oh, I learned this scripture. And we go, oh, that's so cute. You learned Jesus wept. And it is cute. It's a cute thing to have your kids learning. Oh, man, that's awesome. But the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go. In other words, don't tell your kid, What did you learn today? You also have to be able to tell them, look, son, daughter, this is what I learned today. Are you hearing me? Memorize this thing. Get this a part of you. Psalms 119 verse 11 says, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I shared this just a couple of weeks ago. The word hide doesn't mean like peekaboo. Do you remember that? We talked about that, how you know, with the little kids, and you know, you know, you see those little kids, they're like, oh, they're so cute, and we try to play this game with them, and we're like, oh, look, and we cover our eyes, peekaboo. What's so funny is that we're, you know, we got this, you know, little four or five inch palm, and we're trying to cover, you know, all six feet of us, right? Like, oh, like they can't see you anymore, you know, you you hid with just your hand. Ooh, wow, Houdini, wow, you're awesome. Peekaboo, peekaboo. That's not what it means when it says hide your word. Like, oh, I'm gonna hide it peek a Here it comes. Look, look here we go. Here it is. Here's the word. Woohoo! No, that's not what it means when it says hide it. It means put it in there. Because I'm gonna tell you something. You're gonna fight a battle, and the sin is gonna try to come and it's try- going to try to overtake you. But when it comes, don't play peek-a-boo. What you gotta do is you gotta get it right there. Open it up and say peek a That's what it's for memorize these things. Get them inside of you. Let them be a part of who you are, your everyday life. Let it memorize. Some of you, if I were to play a song right now, you could stand up and go, oh, I know all the words of that song. That's my jam. (laughs) Like, oh, I know that. Oh, that's my jam. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, play it again. And you could sing it over and over. We could stop the song and you'll keep singing it. Look, I want to encourage you, for those of you that maybe just got saved, and I understand, you know, the music. I'll be talking about music in a couple of weeks. Listen, that's fine. Music is a part of your life. I understand that. If you have to, get some CDs that have music to them, that have scriptures over them. It will help you. It will help you. I have plenty of CDs that have music to them and that have scriptures over them. I just shared with you just a couple of minutes ago about how I'm going to take some music, put my father's messages over it, and send it out for free. I'm going to do it. I want to do it. I want to make sure because I understand the culture of who we are, the music, how it's so relevant. And we have it every day. It's in our car. It's in our iPods. It's at our home. It's at our jobs. It's in the elevator. It's out of the stores. It's it's everywhere. Music. So I understand that. So make sure you get some good, godly music. Put some scriptures over it. It will help you memorize. I remember when I was going to school, I went to Bible school. Actually, how I learned uh, to memorize the scriptures was through music. That's actually how I learned it learn, when I was a freshman in high school. I learned Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Keith, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, 11, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then we had to go backwards too. But I learned it by way of music. So for those of you who say, wow, i got to learn it by music. All right, go for it. Do it. But memorize it. Let it be a part of who you are. Some of you have some things in your mind that you're saying, man, I wish I didn't memorize this thing. I wish I didn't know this. Some of you can quote uh, uh, line for line on movie by movie. I love that movie. Some of you, you got to start loving this thing. You, th- remember, movie is what? It's active pictures. That's what a movie is. It's acting moving pictures. The Bible says that this is active and power, powerful. Start memorizing this thing. Let it be active in your life. Memorize the word of God. Another thing to do with the word of God with your sword is to meditate on God's word. Bible says in Psalms chapter one verse two, "But delight, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. and his law he meditates day and night. Basically what that is, is digest the word of God. Digest it. Can you imagine if you had a big old piece of turkey? I know Thanksgiving coming up. You had a big old piece of turkey. and said, man, this is good. You just took the piece, you got it right there, you got your fork, you put it in, and you just gobbled it, swallowed it right there. Say, wow, that was good. Well, if we're in all honesty, number one, you wouldn't be able to do that. Because automatically your teeth would have to chew it. Like, oh, You'd, you would kind of gag, like, oh, wait, this is too much. I Wait, hold on one second. Have you ever left a message before and somebody asked you, hey, so how was service? They go, oh, it was good. And they go, well, what did they talk about? And you go, oh, it was like a, I don't know, a pastor like brought out like a sword and stuff. It was really cool. He had like this big old sword and stuff. It was, it was really awesome. Well, really, what did he talk about? Well, he talked about like this sword and stuff. Should have been there. You have to have seen it to, you know, to be there. It was like stuff with a sword. It was just so cool. Understandable. I understand. But that's why the Bible says delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Take your time with it. Just don't come for one hour and go, man, that was good. That was great. No. Get it. Get the message. Take your notes. That's why we always encourage people. Take notes. Look at it and say, okay, I want to meditate on this. See, the secular way of meditation is empty yourself. That's what they say. Empty. Just free your mind right now. Empty yourself. Go, get in the position and empty your mind. Be free. Feel the wind empty let's meditate I was watching an infomercial that's actually what they were saying I'm not lying So I'm, that's the truth see Christian meditation is fill your mind with good stuff fill it delight yourself in the Lord meditate On it day and night. Some of the promises that you have, some of you, you got to meditate on that. Your son will be saved. Your daughter will be saved. God will provide all your needs. Meditate on it day and night. The promises, for I know that the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not to harm you but to prosper you, says the Lord. Meditate on the word of God. Delight yourself. You know what delight is? The best way I could think of it is the other day I took my son to go play his very first baseball game. And I took him there. He didn't have his uniform. All the other kids had their uniform on. They had this, they had that. And I just took him there for his very first T-ball game. And I remember I was sitting there, and as I was sitting there, my son gets up there, and he puts his helmet on that is about five times bigger than his head. And he puts it on, and he's got his shorts on. You could he stands out right away because he's the only one without a uniform on. Everyone's got on sliding pants and the Red Sox shirt and the Red Sox hat. and It looks good, and they're playing against the other team. And everybody's all in uniform, but my son's not. He's not in uniform. Now, you would think, oh, man, I'm going to look embarrassed. I looked weird. But it was my son's first game. And I sat there. And pe- you know, people all around were talking and saying stuff, but I just sat there. And I was like, wow, look at my son. For a moment, you know, I started, you know, proud dad, like, I made that. (laughs) Now, I know I didn't, you know, it was God. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I had part in that. (laughs) And he hits the ball, and he's running around, and I'm like, Go, Stevie. You know, all the other parents, they don't care. It's not their kid, it's not theirs, but he's mine. And so he's running around, I'm like, yeah, go, Stevie, go run, run, run. And, and the funny thing about it is that they got the ball and they threw it to first, but he listened to me. I told him, keep going. And he kept running. You're supposed to stop at first base. He didn't stop. He kept running. I like, running. And I go, keep going. And he's like, keep going. All right, keep going. I go, keep going. He's like, and I go, Stevie, slide. And he goes. I'm serious. That's what he did. And I was behind the fence, but I was behind the fence. I go, good job, Stevie. He's like, yeah, all right. The thing about it is that I got more joy out of it than even he did. Why? Because I delighted myself in what he was doing. He was active. He was moving. I didn't do anything. I didn't do a thing. I just stood there. And watch. Some of you, when it comes to memorizing and getting the scripture, you don't have to do anything. Just sit there and just watch God's word move. It's active. It's powerful. Delight yourself in the Lord. Watch. See what happens. Meditate on his word. And then the last thing you got to do with his word, first, what we talked about is that you have to know God's word, memorize God's word, meditate on God's word, and then also use it. Use God's word. In other words, it ain't called a sword for nothing. It's not called a sword to look pretty. And it's not called a sword to be clean. Some of you got to catch that here this morning. It's not called a sword to be shiny. And say, ooh, look at my Bible. Look at me. I'm a... Christian. I said this a couple weeks ago and I'm going to say it again. I want to challenge some of you. Maybe on a Sunday morning you come to church and you look good, you smell good. Did my hair, all right. Got my makeup going, Look, my glasses, got my tie. Ooh, I look good. But I want to challenge you. As a soldier in the army of the Lord. The purpose is to rightly divide the word of truth. And so what that means is that this sword is no good if it, everybody's got a sword and everybody knows the truth. That's good. What you need to do is you need to use this, go out there, and go against the enemy's lies. When the enemy says, there's no such thing as a God. Are you sure about that? God. God. He doesn't love you. Are you sure about that? And that church, you don't need to go to church. Are you sure about that? The church, they just want your money. Are you sure about that? (laughs) Rightly dividing the word. Use it. Just don't put it right there and say, all right, I got me a sword. All right, I can use this. this. Looks good, huh? Looks good. Purpose of the sword is not to look good. Purpose of the sword is to penetrate the bad. It's the purpose of the sword. And the thing about it is that it's close combat. It's close. It's not long ways. You can't throw this thing and hopefully it will work. No. It's in a spear. It's a sword. You keep it in your hand. And you fight this thing. You know what some of my favorite scriptures? Oh, man, some of my favorite scriptures are having to do with Jonathan and David. I love those things man i love those you know one of my favorite scriptures he tells david he says do whatever is in your heart i'm with you i'm right behind you and as you study the scriptures oh my favorite man the bible says that david he goes out there he starts killing people right he's killing people boom that's right he's killing them it's just him it's just them two the bible says that they even climbed a cliff together read it on your own it's a Great stories. They climbed a cliff. And they went up there. Oh, and they were climbing cliffs. And as they went up to climb a the cliff, then the enemy met them. This is after climbing a cliff. And they're there. They start fighting. Whoa, whoa. And the Bible says that David was just, whap, kill it He knew how to use it. He knew how to use it. thing. Whoa! Whoa! But the initial cut didn't kill the enemy. So what happened was, here's David. He's killing a Whoa! He's stabbing a whap, 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 whap. And the Bible says that They were falling. But as they were falling, Jonathan's right behind him, making sure with the sword. He's getting it. Whoom, you're dead. Who's next? Whoom, you're dead. Who's next? Whoom. So here's David. He's over there killing them all, right? Whap, 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 whap. But they're not totally dead yet. So right behind him is his back-to-back partner. His partner's right behind him saying, ooh, you got stabbed? Now you're dead. Knowing how to use this thing. Listen, some of you here this morning, so you, you come to church and you say, man, church was great. And it was great. But what about your sword? What about your word? What is the word that God has given you? See, because if you use the words of your pastor, it'll go so far. And that's good. That's great. You want to use, oh man, the pastor was, oh man, the, the pastor will. He was, oh man, they gave me an encouragement. Oh, the leader there at the church, oh man, it was great. But what about your word? God has given you a word. God has given you a battle to fight. God gave you something. God put you in that position. Listen, I'm not with your family 24-7. You are. I'm not at your job when you're there Monday through Friday. You are. I'm not there when that person tries to come up and talk bad and ridicule and and scorn against God. You're right there. What does the Bible say? Use this thing. Don't be afraid. Listen to me. I want to start encouraging you as Christians. Use this sword. Don't get scared of it. Well, I don't know how to know how to use it. Know the word of God. How do if you need to do it? Just like any man in combat, what do they do? They got to go to basic training. If you need to go to basic, go to basic training. Okay, how do I use this? What do I do with this? How do I? What's going on here? How, what, what's the way? Is this the right way? Is that the wrong way? Is this way left way? Do I use my left hand, my right hand? How do I do this? What do I do? Know the thing. Memorize this. Memorize it. Frontwards, backwards. How long is it? How far is it? Where's this? Where's it? Memorize. Have this thing memorized that you could do it with your eyes closed. Meditate on it. Use it. Use this thing. I want to start encouraging you. As children of God, use this thing. Use the sword. It's a weapon. This is the weapon that George Bush was looking for. Weapons of mass destruction. We've had it all along. It's called the Bible. And it's able to destroy the works of the enemy. That's what this thing is for. That's what it's all about. Rightfully dividing. Divide. As AJ comes to the piano, I was talking with someone the other day. And as we were talking, I started sharing with him some scriptures that kind of scared them. I said, this is the word. It's scary, but it's the word. I said, that's not true. God, the, Jesus, he wants to bring all the families together. That's what the Bible says. Yes, God does want to bring families together. That's what he does. But actually, the words of Jesus himself, he says, look, I didn't come to actually bring peace. Came to actually divide, and some of you here this morning are wondering, "Man, what's going on here?" Get the word and rightfully divide it. What is the necessity that is needed in this situation? The battle that I'm going through. Everybody has their own battles; they're all differently. Some of you within your marriage, you need this scripture. Some of you within your parenting, you need this scripture. Now it's not the scripture to say, look, everybody should know the scripture. Everybody has to do this now. Well, that's the great thing about having the Bible. You can read Genesis to Revelation anytime you want. What do you need? What do you need? Is that what you need a scripture on with your parent with your parenting? Here's a scripture for that. A scripture on my finances? There's a scripture for that. What do you need? Rightfully di- divide the word of God. Use it. It's here, it's for you. I pray that us as Christians, especially here within our church, that we would take these, these scriptures that we've had, that we've been able to look at them, the helmet, the breastplate, feet, shield, the belt, and the sword. That we would be men and women that are equipped Equipped to fight this battle. Listen, my friend, we're in a battle. And some of you, you came in this morning saying, oh, yeah, I'm in a battle. And some of you thought, man, see, it's my husband. It's my wife. It's my boss. It's my cousin. It's my aunt. It's my uncle. They would just listen. Sometimes, don't cast your pearls to swine. What? Use the word of God. Use it effectively. Use it fervently. Consistently, faithfully. Just don't be a man or woman that comes. And listen, I really want to challenge you. I know we have Sunday morning service, but I want to challenge you outside of Sunday morning. Man, I wish we could set something up if we could. But one thing I've learned is that the church can't do everything. I've learned that. I've learned that a long time ago. Because I wish I could, man. I, I wish I could come right and help you right away. Boom, oh, what do you need? Let me help you. But I can't. You've got your word, you've got your Bible, you've got the truth, and the truth will set you free. Some of you right now, you're in a court case. Use the word of God. Some of you right now, you're in a financial situation that it feels like all hell's breaking loose. Use the word of God. Some of you right now, you have a bitterness. I actually, I wanted to talk about that, but I I said I'll save that for another time. But I I just don't fully understand Christians who are bitter against other Christians. I don't understand that. Ouch. But it's true. I don't understand how sometimes, I had it in my nose, but I'm not going to go over it, but. Christians come to church you lift your hands but you're you really want to hit the person next to you with your hands man she gets on my nerves but i'm gonna worship you god man just give me 5 minutes with him but god i love you how can you love a god who you cannot see you hate the brother sister that you worship right next to you you can't see. Listen, some of you here this morning, you have some forgiveness that you need to start having within your life. You want to use the word. One part of the word, forgiveness. Some of you need to forgive. Some of you here this morning, maybe it's not him, it's not her. You just need to forgive yourself. That's what the Bible says. It says, examine yourself. You will know them by their fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. It's not going to happen. Examine yourself. Some of you here this morning, you just got to take the sacrifice to yourself. Say, Okay, God. It was me all along. It wasn't her. It wasn't him. It was me all along. I want to delight myself in you, God. Be a living sacrifice for your honor, for your glory. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. As we use the Word of God, just like Jesus did. To counterattack Satan's attack, he used the word. And even in Matthew chapter 4, it says that we learn to, to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Don't let the enemy twist these lies against you and I. Use your word, use your sword. Armed with this, we're able to step out and fight the enemy head on. See, my friend, the struggle that you and I have, it's real. Not only is it real, it's immediate. It's right here. It's right now. It's right in front of us. It's time for us to hold steadfast to the promises of God. Take up our sword and know that this battle is the Lord's. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want us to know the truth, the truth will set us free. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and if there's anybody here this morning, I really feel in my heart to make this altar call that there has been some lies that has been penetrating some families, been penetrating some finances. And you say, you know what, this morning I I, I need to memorize. This word. I need to meditate on this word. I need to know his word and I want to use his word. With every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're a born-again believer from just a few days ago, or you've been somebody that had been saved within the faith for a number of years, but you just say, you know what? I want to use that sword, I want to use this truth, and I want to do it correctly. I don't want to just swing all over the place, but I want to be a man and woman of faith that uses His Word and knows His Word correctly, efficiently, effectively, with every head bowed every eye closed. And if you say, you know what, I want to be that soldier, this is the conclusion of the series, of the helmet, of the sword, of the shield, of the belt, of the breastplate. This is the conclusion of it all. And if you say, you know what, I want to be armed, I want to be equipped. As that man, as that woman that is fighting the battle, not from long range, but from close range. And I want to be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. I know that I'm in a battle, and I want to fight this battle effectively. With every hand bowed and every eye closed as they sing this song. I want you to slip out of your seat right now. I want to pray with you. I want to believe God with you for your family, for your finances, for your job, whatever it might be that you're going through that you're in a battle, but you're going to fight this thing head on, and you're going to go at it here head on, and you're going to be that man, you're going to be that woman, you're going to be that couple, you're going to be that job employee, you're going to be that father, you're going to be that mother, that husband, that wife that God has called you to be. Rightfully dividing the word of truth I'll be Whoa, your children, Jesus Lord. I'll, be I'll be faithful Come on so faithful